This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. The world doesn't need another sports show. It needs an awesome sports show. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Uh, Today, Wally is away on vacation for a couple of weeks and... Pinch hitting for Wally is Lou Franceschetti, former Toronto Maple Leaf, Buffalo Sabres, and Washington Capitals. Good morning, Lou. Morning, Naz. How are things out here? Oh, good. How about you? We had a nice weekend so far. So, so let's far. not... Uh... Playing golf today up in Nobleton Lakes in a stag party. It's going to be quite good. I'm looking forward to 18 holes. Are you uh, are you having any of the girls on any of the par threes? <laughs> no, I don't think that's... That, I don't think this is that type of stag, but that's Okay. <laughs> I uh, want to talk about the Leafs, and uh, they signed Patrick Marlowe last Sunday. Uh, what's your impression of that move? Well, I, I, you know what? It, it just makes your, uh, makes their forward lines all stacked up now. Where are you going to put a Zach Hyman? It, where's room for, for Sammy Kapanen? Uh, my perspective is that either they're, gonna, they're thinking of either moving JVR or at the end of the year they're probably going to let him walk because right now there's just, just too many bodies for not enough spots on the forward line. Yeah, Zach Hyman signed a uh, uh, five million dollar contract, I think, for two years. No, it's four years. Four at, two, four at nine. Four at nine. Four yeah. at nine. So two yeah, but four. that with with that move, all it does is going to move uh, Zach Hyman down to the fourth line. Yeah, you know, because you got a pretty good solid line with uh, Kadri. You've got uh, Bozak playing with JVR and um, Nylander, and then they got uh, Ooh, Marner play. Okay, Marner's. And then they got uh, Nylander with uh, Austin Matthews, and now I think they're going to put uh, that'd be a good a little, line, yeah, though. a little Pretty bit more good. of a finisher with with Patrick Marlowe there. So there's really and what are you what are you going to do with Sammy Kapanen? What are you going to do with uh, Zach Hyman? So it looks like there's going to be a move for a defenseman. I think. Well, they've got to do something. Uh, you know, they're they're the uh, ones that are getting the, the big bucks to to make those kind of decisions. Uh, the uh, Hainsey for Hunwick is uh, straight up, so you're getting one for another. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, they got a long summer. I think the kids are in this weekend and at the Mastercard Center to show what they can do. And it's more or less it's an initiation for uh, to learn how to handle themselves in front of the media. What was the biggest surprise in the free agents uh, signings, or were there any other than the Marlow one? Well, you know what, it, it's just one of those things that uh, the, the terms, uh, the Shattenkirk uh, one to, to the Rangers. I know he took a lot less money to to play in his hometown. Well, not near his hometown, New Rochelle. Um, it, it's shocking. The, the thing that really boggles my mind is the Flyers need goaltending. So they let Steve Mason go to Winnipeg. Winnipeg needs goaltending, so they they got three. Then they go out and sign Brian Elliott. I'm not sure whether Ron Hexel was actually watching the playoffs and saw how well... You mean how well he didn't yeah, play? How, how well Brian Elliott played in the last three games yeah. uh, when Calgary got knocked out. So it, it's just one of those things that, 
you sometimes you wonder what the GMs are thinking uh, when they make these trades. That why not bring Stevie Mason back and uh, forget about Brian Elliott? The goaltending situation in the NHL, there is like six goalies that flop teams. It was ridiculous. They're just spinning around, and there's no new goalies out there. No, there really isn't. And uh, you know, we're going to talk to one later, Clint Malarchuk, uh, yeah. uh, who who's a little bit more stable than uh, goaltending the guys that are go switching everywhere. But it's just one of those things, I guess, if you're not having a good year, they're going to keep revolving, and uh, uh, you're going to try to keep finding the, the, the right mix. They thought Stevie Mason was the right guy when uh, when he came over from Columbus. Yeah, they're, they're, it's funny. Uh, the goaltending situation is really, uh, really different because they, they, it seems like they go a couple of years and they change teams. There's no steady goaltender other than Price. Now, Price signed a $10.5 million contract. Were you surprised at that? I, I really wasn't. Uh, I think it's a great move on uh, Bergevin's place because you know that thing was going to be over their head the whole season. Uh, and it, in Montreal, you really don't want a distraction of that nature on finding out on whether Carey Price is going to walk or whether he's going to stay at, uh, at the end of the 2018 season. So he was really smart in getting him over, getting this thing signed uh, before the summer began. And now they have nothing to worry about unless, you know, you... Obviously, they lost uh, Radulov, and they signed Gojilinyuk. But, it, it, I, again, I, th- I thought it was a great move. And if you look at the National Hockey League, how many goalies are there out there that can actually carry you to the promised land? I can probably count maybe eight or nine. If All the that, other, Yeah, if, if that. that even. So, it's you know, teams are always looking to find that backstopper that's going to carry that team to the finals. Uh, Pecorin has always had it before, but now... The, Last this year, they uh, they finally put everything together. Yeah, it's very interesting how the salaries are. We Wally and I were talking about this last week. Uh, McDavid signed for twelve and a half million this week, right? He left, I think, seven fifty on the table, which is. I not think that. he left a lot more than seven fifty on the or, table. Or a million, right? But it's, it's you know he he didn't sign the max, and the max is twenty percent of the salary cap. So obviously, he's going to probably make that money back in endorsements, like. Um, like Steven Stamkos was going to do last year when uh, when he first uh, when they first heard rumors that he was going to come to Toronto when he met with all the big big wigs of the city um, two days before he signed. So sometimes the more the change, the more you want to stay the same. You you, you don't want to. I know Connor McDavid's twenty years old, but he's comfortable in Edmonton. Yeah. And, and when you when you make a move just because of money. There's a lot more pressure. It showed on David, uh, not David, uh, David Clarkson, when he first came here. He thought he had to own up to the six million dollars uh, that he was getting paid, and went out in the first game, got suspended for fifteen or twenty games for yeah. jumping off the bench, and then he never fell. And now he's nobody ever hears of him anymore. No, he's not even playing. He's uh, been bought out. Yeah. Um, th- th- Twelve and a half million for Connor McDavid. What does that? Where does that leave the lease with Austin Matthews? Well, I think Austin Matthews just has to come back with the same kind of attitude and the same kind of effort that he put in this year. You're looking at probably in the same range. Um, but Austin Matthews is in a little bit different situation because he's playing in Toronto, so there's a lot more endorsements going to be involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could probably get the same kind of deal that they offered Steven Stamkos, where. I didn't know what the numbers were, but obviously he might be he might be he might be getting more money on the side uh, in endorsements than he would actually be playing hockey. Yeah, where does that leave the uh, 
the rest of the defense. The defensemen aren't getting paid as much either. We were talking about that also. The defense in the league, the salary seems to have gone down on D. Why do you see that? Well, it's just a different position. You're, you're not, uh, they're not the goal scorers, and you're paying money for the goal scorers up front. Uh, I think right now it's more or less Eric Carlson is the next one in line that's going to be the double digits uh, yeah. salary per season. And then do, uh, Drew Doughty after that. Uh, a lot of wear and tear on that Drew Doughty body, though, with the number well, of games he's played. Hey, we'll, we'll see in the next couple of years on, on what he does and, and how well he plays if it shows uh, that he's uh, he's not playing up to the capabilities that he has in the last couple of years. But I think Errol Carlson right now is a, the one guy that that's probably going to challenge the Jonathan Tays, uh, Connor McDavid's uh, of the National Hockey League to about 12 or $13 million a year. I think we have uh, Butch Carter on the line. Butch, are you there? Good morning. Good morning, Butch. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. We have Louis Franceschetti in here with us today. Hey, Butch. Hey, how are you this morning? Hey, listen, uh, before we get going on this kid from the the under-19 team, what would you do with Mr. Uh, LaVar Ball? Man, that's a tough one. I mean, I'm out here in Vegas, and the, the surface keeps rolling. Um, you know, I, me and a guy were sitting in the lobby, and there, there's a... There was a show on where him and his boys, and um, you know, he's driving his uh, SUV, and, and they're passing the ball through the back window. <laughs> and, you know, and, I mean, they're standing outside. He drives, and they they throw the ball. One's on one side, one on the other, and and uh, I believe you know it's. What we're seeing is, is people waiting for the train wreck. And, um, is that going to happen, Butch? Is that going to happen? Yeah. Okay. It, it, it will happen because in watching the kid play, um, first he's physically inferior, uh, especially playing with older players. And he, and he doesn't have a, a clean crossover dribble. So when a player is playing the uh, perimeter, uh, one of the first things we do is teach him a crossover dribble so that it's basically a way for him to escape defenders that are faster than him. It's probably the most powerful thing that Vince Carter learned. Uh, but but this, the son doesn't have that dribble. And uh, clearly his dad just really is, is playing the media like a, like a very fine violin. Now, we so, had Butch, we had a big upset last night in the under-19 FIBA semifinals as Canada beat the U.S. 97-87. You're, you have seen um, R.J. Barrett play, obviously. What are your impressions of him? He seems to be awesome out there. I think, I think R.J. is a very good player. I don't think he's a, a great player yet. Um, and that's strictly from physicality. Um, you know, if you, uh, he has a very high IQ and clearly uh, was able to lock in and focus and deliver, you know, uh, the best win for Canada basketball 
in the history uh, of that FIBA tournament. Um, but, you know, I don't think he's a uh, – I think he's a very high pick. I don't think he's a, a one, two, or three. Now, again, you know, drafting players is like going to Loblos and shopping for bread. Different people have different tastes. Um, but he's done very well for himself. He helped himself a lot in that game yesterday. Uh, I think he also did a lot for uh, Canadian basketball with that victory. Also, like, congratulate Roy Reyna, the coach. He's done a really good job with those younger kids in the, in the program. So, but our day is uh, very, very good. I would say in his, in, his, in his draft class, he's a top five player right now. Um, the question is, what position does he end up playing? Um, but all, you know, he's got time. Butch, where does he uh, where does he compare with Andrew Wiggins at this stage of uh, of his age? And uh, go ahead. Okay, okay. So Andrew Wiggins is a phenom physically. Uh, father, former NBA player, mother, uh, track star. Um, you know, when I see Andrew Wiggins, I think the first time I saw him, he was probably fifteen and. I felt that he was a pro then because he could defend three positions. He can guard uh, any small forward. He could guard any uh, shooting guard, and he definitely could guard any backup one or point guard. RJ does not possess that natural physical gift. He's talented, but um, you know I would compare Andrew Wiggins' uh, talented talent, physical talent, defensively. You know, in the class says Jimmy Butler, uh, a young LeBron James, hmm. uh, Paul George. Uh, Andrew Wiggins is, is special from the standpoint of uh, what he was born with, what he came out of his, in his mother's womb. You know, he was—he's just different. I think. I think you see this—you know—the same thing in hockey. If you if you look at what uh, what uh, Connor just signed. Um, you know, I think my son was two years ago. We made a trip over to Erie, PA, because I just had heard about Connor. There was a D um, League team playing in Erie, but we went over the night before to watch uh, Connor play. He just—he's got a special gift. You know, reminds me a lot of uh, Mario Lemieux when he was younger. He could stop on a dime. Don't know if he's going left. You don't know if he's going right. Um, and he just has an overall evasiveness. That's that's a that's a that's a God-given gift. Uh, yes, he's buffed it out with with a lot of uh, really good practice, but he is innately better than most players. And his skating separates him. The skill of his skating separates him from almost you know any hockey player in the world. Barrett's father is the assistant general manager of the uh, national team, and he played in Europe and also played in on Canada's team in 2000, right? Uh, yeah. He does have some pedigree, though. I mean, the, the kid. He yeah, he looks yeah, thick. He Butch, I saw a picture of him. I saw him in the highlights last night. He looks really thick for a kid that just turned 17. He, you know? He's yeah, well-built. He, 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 yeah, he, he is well-built. I mean... But, but think about it, right? Like, 
most 80% of the guys in the NBA have a special physical gift, right? So that, that part, you know, currently right now, I'm in the, I'm at the NBA Summer League, and what I do is that I do a presentation to every single team that's playing here about how to be effective in this environment. And, you know, to educate you and, you know, and our fans that are listening, when they come out to the summer league, they're playing eight games in 10 days. All right? So most of these young men fail because no one ever trained them to play eight games in 10 days. And the other part about it is that the guy guarding them gets 10 fouls. 10 fouls. So, 10 fouls. That's right. I'm, 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 I'm glad you heard me clearly. Yeah. Right? That's so, far more than the norm. That's, that's correct. So, you know, the number one thing the guys complain about is, well, man, you know, I just I just assumed that I was pretty good, and then I'm playing against guys three, four, five years older than me, and he's got 10 fouls, and it hurts a lot of them because they're not, they're not effective. But it's the nature of the beast. Basketball with its 82-game schedule stretches a player physically as far as a, a, you can stretch a rubber band. Sometimes the rubber band pops, and we see a lot of rubber bands. What we, what you, so ESPN has uh, every Laker game on Alonzo Ball. He shoots one for 11 or whatever. So his, his rubber band got stretched and popped. And it happens because they're playing against older guys. They're playing against guys who have been in the summer league two or three years before. Uh, I, I saw it with Thon Maker, the kid who played at Orangeville Prep from the Sudan. Out here last year, he fouled out, I think, three games. So 11 fouls, he was out. Right? Wow. But what happened, he, he, he has a very thin build, and he, and he was exhausted. Right? So in my presentation because I used him as an example that happy to see him have a very successful last 35 or 40 games of his NBA career with the Milwaukee Bucks because his stock went down during the summer league. Very interesting. Because he, yeah, because, because what happens, he's playing at Orangeville Prep. No one is training him to be a professional basketball player. They think there are, but they have no idea what they're putting these kids into in the summer league. The three officials are all young officials. They're trained not to call fouls. They will call them if they have to. But the issue at the end of the day is that this whole system here is set up. The agent doesn't prepare the player. The trainer training them doesn't prepare. And year after year, there's 18, I think there's 18 teams here in the summer league. I've got four days of where I, I do my presentation. And the first thing I tell them is that you got seven possessions to impress your coaching staff. Because if you make two mistakes in your seven possessions, you know, the assistant coaches are coaching, there's about eight, 18 of them on the bench. Half of them are going to stand up and try to tell the coach, well, we need to take him out to put somebody else in. So, you know, I try to get them to understand that there are certain ways to be successful. One, don't come to Las Vegas and do something stupid. All the NBA people are here. Don't be going to the clubs. Don't be in the casinos. You know, it's, 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 it's really a melting pot that you either see the best of people or the worst of people. 
and the environment in basketball here with the 10 fouls and the eight games in 10 days, unfortunately shows you a lot of the worst of these young basketball players. Yeah, so but... whatever you're seeing against R.J. Barrett, it's him playing against people of similar age. The problem with him, Lonzo Ball, is that they don't have the physicality. Most players aren't don't have the physicality of Wiggins or Vince Carter. Gracie McGrady, remember, failed the first two years. It took us almost, you know, two full seasons before we got Tracy physically turned around. Do you see a, a comparison to him and Tracy McGrady? No. Tr- Tracy McGrady is a, is a Hall of Fame player, a phenom. Tracy McGrady could guard four positions. Tracy McGrady in today's environment would only be more valuable work. Um, we we moved Tracy to point forward the second year, and from there his career took off. He's um, he's not even in that you know the young man's good, but he's, he's not in Tracy McGrady's class. When Tracy McGrady left Toronto, he could play with both sides of his body, shoot the three point shot, guard power forwards to point guards. Uh, Tracy was just a beast. Uh, I repeatedly you can go back and, and see that. I repeatedly talked about the last half of the year Tracy McGrady would play for Toronto Raptors. He was without a doubt the best all-around player we had on the basketball team. And that's saying a lot for a kid who started out who's only practiced for an hour two years earlier. Butch, uh, what do you think what the Raptors have done now with uh, losing uh, P.J. Tucker, Patterson? Uh, obviously, there's rumors right now that Demari Carroll's going to New Jersey and them signing... Uh, Larry and uh, Ibaka, have they gotten any better? Well, they're better if Lowry and DeMar DeRozan are better in the playoffs. I mean, uh, what they decided to, you know, let's bring the band back. And But the the, the problem for them is, is Lowry and DeRozan, their playoff numbers are like in the lower 20% of all time differential between regular season, negative differential between regular season and the playoffs. Uh, I agree that they needed to bring them back because the East is, you know, there's probably a two-year window uh, to get to the Eastern Finals. And if you get to the Eastern Finals, you know, you're, you're four games away from being in the NBA Finals uh, with all the players, all-star players that were shipped west. I also believe that their last season was a little different because their two all-stars played in the in the Olympics, and I think they were a little exhausted from the summer Olympic ordeal and then coming back into the regular season. Um, you know, when you when you're putting together teams, you don't always get lucky. Uh, Damari Carroll uh, ended up being, I believe, a mistake uh, because of his injury in the playoffs with Cleveland before he signed as a free agent with his knee. Um, but it but it happened. Um, yeah, they paid for that mistake did. with giving up two picks during the night. Right. So, you know, the you know, that so what he's trying to do, I believe, uh, bring the band back. A band has been that he currently has has been very successful in at least in the East in the last couple of years. Um, you know, the reality is if DeMar DeRozan could become a better defender, it would help that team tremendously if someone could get him to make a bigger commitment to, to doing that. Um, he has
shots in the playoffs. But, but went, again, in the, you know, in the current in the current scenario, I don't know who's going to guard him in the playoffs to get him stopped. But uh, we need to go. We need to go break. And I want to ask you one thing, okay? I want you to talk about the Blue Jays because you want to talk about the Blue Jays, and I want to get this in. That's why I'm cutting you off a bit on the basketball side. What do you? What would you do with the Jays? Man, I love the Jays, man, but. You know, you bring the best team in baseball in Houston in town, and you see what they've done. You know, they, they were terrible for a couple of years, or maybe more than a couple, when they blew it up. But I don't, I don't think that I would blow it up. I would, I would go take it as long as I could because the fan base for the Toronto Blue Jays across the country, Canada, is really unbelievable, guys. You know, when you see them go on the road. No team goes on the road and sells out Seattle the way, you know, the Blue Jays did. The visiting team sells out, you know. So the problem I'm trying to figure out is, you know, what has happened to Donaldson? And I think losing Edwards has hurt Donaldson's batting position and the pitches he sees more than they have admitted. And... um and then again, you know, their pitching staff not being available. Um, you know, they had the best pitching staff in the league last year. And this year they started out with the, the pitching staff not being available. So I don't see how they go forward by, by trading one of those pitchers and think they're going to be better. Um, but again, that all depends on there may be some general manager somewhere that will offer them the right amount of young prospects. And if that happens, I think, Someone's got to pull the trigger, trigger and move on. Thanks, Butch. we got to go. Talk to you next week. Thank you very much. Okay. Butch, have a good time in Vegas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You too. Bye. We'll be come, come back after the break. We have special guest Clint Malarchuk, former goalie of the Buffalo Sabres, next. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. 
Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada. And the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back, and we have a special guest, uh, former Sabre, Washington Capitol, Quebec Nordique, goalie Clint Malarcha. Clint, how are you this morning? I'm pretty good, Naz. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. I've got a buddy of yours in studio with me, and I understand you guys are very, very close I have Lou Franceschetti here, Clint. Leaping Lou there. How are you, Louie? Hey, Mallard. How are you, kid? <laughs> doing awesome. <laughs> what are you doing up so early? Oh, shoot. You know, I have to feed the cows. <laughs> are you out in Wyoming right now? No, actually, uh, this minute I'm at the Obsessive Compulsive Disorder Convention in San Francisco. So um, it's a big convention I go to. I spoke at it uh, yesterday. And uh, Corey Hirsch is here with me. He's also, uh, we're, we're trying to put a sports panel together on uh, mental disorders like obsessive-compulsive uh, disorder and anxiety and, and things like that, that that go along with our athletes in today's world. We had a situation with uh, the uh, closer for the Blue Jays, Asuna. He yeah. was complaining about anxiety attacks. And um, I thought of you when, when that happened because of what you went through. Uh, briefly describe, and you don't have to get into all the details, but briefly describe your situation and what happened. And uh, when, I guess you, when you were younger, you had anxiety attacks. Then you had the uh, accident in, uh, in Buffalo. Um, briefly, briefly describe it to us. Well, for me, I, you know, I grew up in, a, a, I guess, a dysfunctional uh, household uh, my dad was an abusive alcoholic and whether that uh, uh, got the ball rolling with my life I'm not sure it's hard to say but uh, you know I lived with uh, obsessive compulsive disorder anxiety depression uh, mental illness basically we'll just put it under that roof and uh, after my accident in Buffalo where my jugular vein was cut and uh, things really as we, I, we know now I didn't know at the time that trauma can really uh, make these things uh, explode and magnify, and it over uh, overtook my life. The anxiety that I lived with uh, uh, it really became unmanageable and really affected my life and the way I was living. And even though I'd kind of grown up with that, those, that, those disorders, uh, the trauma really made it uh, explode. And I had trouble leaving the house. I had trouble just functioning, basically. Um, and, and I think that uh, a, a lot of people and a lot of athletes, uh, you know, I, I know a lot of people have this problem because I, I wrote a book and I got feedback. And there were so many people that reached out uh, saying thank you. And a lot of them were athletes from every major sport, uh, the four big sports. And that was pretty overwhelming for me because I thought, wow, there's a lot of us out there. There's a lot of athletes, and I'm talking, my book came out uh, almost two and a half years ago, and these were current playing athletes, NHL hockey players that are current. And basically all they were saying was, uh, 
uh, thank you. I thought I was the only one that, because uh, <laughs> you, li- you live in silence you, it, because of the, st- the stigma, and you don't want to, uh, uh, another thing like Mike- Michael Landsberg uh, coined the phrase sick, not weak, and that's a great phrase because a lot of people don't want to come out and say, hey, I struggle with anxiety and I'm an athlete because you will be portrayed as uh, weak, and that's not something anybody wants. Clint, uh, we all know that um, you're a capable goaltender back back in the in the '80s because I played against you, I played with you. Uh, how is it that being the position that you played, obviously it was probably the most position on on, on a hockey team. That, and I'm going to generalize: professional athletes can actually hide this disorder, and then once. Uh, their careers are, are over. They more or less they come out of the closet and, and tell people that they've had it. And, and how right. do they like how do you, how do you keep it in when you're when you're playing at that kind of level? And then all of a sudden, when you're out of it, it comes out. Well, you know, Lou. I think uh, for me, I can I, I can speak about it. And Corey Hirsch, like I said, is with me here in San Francisco with this uh, conference. And being both former NHL goalies, we we have talked a lot about this and. I think uh, as a goaltender especially, you're portrayed as the mentally tough one, the one that can take the pressure, the heat. You know, everybody looks at you as like you're the rock. So you do not want to uh, come out while you're playing and say, yeah, I struggle with anxiety and stress or, uh, in my case, obsessive-compulsive disorder, uh, and that's Corey as well, uh, because you, you, you may lose your job, and it's unfortunate. Um, but that's the that's professional sports. Uh, they, and again, you're not weak. You're you're just uh, struggling with a sickness or, or disorder, and uh, you have to be doubly mentally tough to deal with the pressure of being an NHL goaltender and also, um, you know, dealing with some mental illness. It, it just goes to show you that you know you you hit it, and so did Corey. Uh, players nowadays, with the money that they're making and what we made when we played, the owners more or less had us over a barrel because any time, uh, and right. I'm going back to the concussions uh, syndrome, that you didn't want to show that weakness to the owners or to, to management when he got hit in the head. You just wanted to come right back because you knew your job was on the line, especially for, for a third or fourth liner like myself, knowing that if we ever went on the injury list, it was more or less once we come off, we're going back down to the minors, where now they're so well protected by by the union and everything else. Absolutely, I, I can totally relate to that, uh, Lou, because I think we we really did feel uh, our fear for our jobs. I mean, and that was to to a fault. Where hey, it's it's a lot of uh, guts and character that we had to have to to stay in the game, but it was to a fault because we were actually putting our our lives. Uh, our mental health, our the concussion deals where we've lost so many players in the last 10 years, you know, uh, battling depression and suicide, and, and it, it's, it's, it's come to that, and it's a shame. But that's the world we lived in back then, Louis. You know it. You lived it. Well, we, you know, we, we didn't know any better. For us, we were no. playing the game that, that we loved, and we would have played for nickels and dimes. And now it's well, we just did. unbelievable that you realize. for nickels and dimes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, dollars, okay, compared to what these guys <laughs> okay. are making now. But I'm just saying, you don't realize it until you're 20 years or 30 years out of the game that all these things are, are come up and you're asking yourself, well, why? 
And then you, yeah. you you go back into history and you say, well, yeah. if this had been taken care of, where would be where would we be right now? Uh, because you know, as well as I do, there weren't qualified people on the bench as they are right now. Oh God, no! I mean, the, there's days uh, I have to think really hard, Lou. Uh, you know what? What the heck? Where did I? You know, my mind. You know, I'm very forgetful now, and I'm not. I'm not saying it's the concussion thing, but I know I've had some. We all did, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, once you're into your, I'm 56. You're you're probably close to that. I'm older. Uh, same age, and and you you start to think a little like holy, you know, and it's now it now it, but but I wouldn't have changed it. I I tell you, you know, I'm not part of that lawsuit thing, um, because I was just grateful to play in the NHL and and you know I like you said I would have done it for a nickel I, I did it for the the uh, you know it the love was of the my game dream. yeah it was my dream Clint I, I want to ask you this uh, what do you, do you have a, an idea how many players in the NHL are going through this now what would be what's the average percentage that are currently playing or uh, let's say currently playing with with the anxiety of that? Yes. Oh God. Um, I think it's a lot, but uh, oh, I think I, I I bet it's I you know if you said fifty percent I think you'd be being kind I think it's uh, a higher level but you know you, you got to remember too it, it is a highly stressful job to play a professional sport you know you I and I think nowadays it's even worse with the uh, internet and the blogs there's so much more uh, social media. I mean, these there's a lot of uh, pressure on our players, so the anxiety uh, is has got to be very, very high for these guys, very high. And they hide it just like we did, eh, Lou? Yeah. You know, we had we had that pressure. Ah, it doesn't bother me, baloney. <laughs> now you look at Osuna. He's the top uh, relief pitcher in in baseball this year, and uh, right. he's he's a really talented kid. He came out and admitted that, and everybody applauded it for him. Applauded him well, for it. Well, I think, and and that's that's what's wonderful about it is that there's a, a people can relate to this, even if they're not in a, in a professional sport. There's a lot of people that have an anxiety disorder. I mean, life is stressful, anyways. Um, you know, we all got jobs and kids, and you know, whatever. Uh, today's world is a high-paced, uh, stressful situation, and it, you know. I, I think that uh, then you look at a guy under the microscope with per, uh, as a professional athlete and all the social media and being criticized and critiqued with every pitch that man makes, um, you know, it, it, who wouldn't be a little bit stressed out? <laughs> a lot of it. Clint is more or less, you know, you've got to you've got to applaud him for what he's for what he did only because, you know, he's he's in the game. I'd say probably once every what uh, three four days a week, and he's got a, a dangerous weapon in his hand. Imagine if he he actually went through one of those anxiety attacks when he was throwing the ball at about ninety ninety five miles an hour. Uh, how do you think the batter would feel uh, seeing that thing coming at him when when he has one of these attacks? Right. Yeah. I and and you know what uh, that, that that's that's uh, probably something that people might fear or whatever. But I I think his anxiety is. Is within him. It's in him, and it's in his mind, and it's in his body. I don't think he'd outwardly uh, do something, you know, like throw a pitch, uh, throw a ball at. Oh, I'm not saying uh, intentional. I'm just more or less just 
you know, if he, if it does happen that he does plunk somebody, well, do you think that it would come back to his disorder? You, you know, that's a great. That might be something that that would be out there, but I don't think that would be uh, like never intentional. But yeah, if he did uh, have a little bit of an anxiety and lost control of uh, his emotions a bit and threw a pitch and hit a guy, yeah, I'm sure that would come out in the media. Clint, we, we got to go to commercial, but I'd love to have you on again if it's possible, and we'll get you on when you're more Eastern than you are right now. And really thank you for uh, you're in San Francisco and talking to us. It's like 7 in the morning there, right, or close to 7. So thanks very All much, right. and I'd love to All have right. you on again because no uh, we wanted to get into a couple of other things, and I, I, we, we, we don't have the time. Sounds good, my friend. Okay. Clint, take care of yourself, huh? See you, Louie. See you, bud. We'll see you around. Bye. We're going to go to commercial break, and then we have Hall of Fame baseball writer Bob Elliott. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from, call Pizzaville at 736-3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. You name it, they'll argue about it. No sport left unturned. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. We have Hall of Fame baseball writer Bob Elliott. Bob, good morning. Morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Real good. You? I'm fine. Just back from the jog, yeah. Where where'd you go jogging, Bob? Uh, I went upstairs and then I came back down. <laughs> How many flights? Just the two. Yep. <laughs> a little early to be doing any, anything else. Speaking of flights, we're going to talk about the Blue Jays' first half of the season. What's your impression of it, Bob? 
Well, they're blaming everything on uh, the injuries. You know, I see there were uh, they put out those. Uh, I used to laugh at them. They did it with Roy Halladay too. The 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 Mandays lost the injury. You know, like they got Aaron Sanchez like at I don't know a hundred days or something like. I mean, as if he was going to make 100 starts when he was on the DL, you know. Starters, they only work once every five days. I know it's a big loss in that, but it's not representative of the, of the time that he missed. Uh, Donaldson, that number would be accurate. He was an everyday player. Tulowitzki's uh, number, that would be uh, that would be accurate. But for to count a starting pitcher or reliever, is, uh, the days on his DL is, is, is he missed all those games. It's not, I, don't, I don't find that... Uh, accurate in the least and then now they're in such a hole i don't know if they can uh i can do i don't think they can do anything uh, to catch up bob i guess with sanchez there last year they didn't have any crippling injuries to any of their pitching staff so they're they were blessed in that way and this year more or less it's biting them in the rear end uh with donaldson i think it's just part of the uh the fact that the older players that that they have right now i think the artificial turf has really taken its toll on on most of them I know their their stats aren't what they were during their MVP years, but with you're talking about Batista, you're talking about Tulo, you're talking about uh, Donaldson, uh, Russell Martin, and I'm really wondering how long Kevin Pillar's body is gonna um, is gonna handle all the abuse that he's given it by running into immovable objects out there in, in center field. Uh, yeah, I, I completely. Excuse me, I completely agree with you on on Pilar and uh, and Batista to a certain degree, but I don't think those guys. Uh, I think it's easier uh, uh, for them now for Tulowitzki and Donaldson playing on the. You know, now that there's a dirt dirt infield as opposed to the the turf, I, I, it may only be whatever it is, uh, two inches above a, a slab of concrete or three inches. But uh, it's it's not as bad as the turf that they that they used to be on. You know, I remember. The famous uh, Adam Lind one, they moved him from uh, DH to first base, and he, they had to shut him down in August because he had the bad back. And I remember Cito said, uh, well, we said, well, what, well, how did he hurt his back? And he said it was from standing on the turf, you know. <laughs> Not that Adam Lind worked out a lot, but. <clears throat> what, what, what is it uh, with the American League? Uh, the wild card is record is four games over 500 is leading or the second spot. Do we have another situation like in 2006 when the Cardinals won the World Series, winning 83 games? Um, yeah, it's it's the wild card has certainly proven like whether it's the Marlins or St. Louis that the team it's not necessarily the best team that wins the World Series over 162 games. It's the best team, the team that gets the hottest, and that that could that could happen again. I just I just don't see these guys as uh having a hot button or a hot stretch in them. I think uh I don't know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be a bit surprised to see them sellers at the, uh, at the as we approach the deadline here cuz uh, I'm sure uh, that's what uh from the time the new group arrived uh on August uh 31st that was they were going to rebuild, you know, but it was uh, Anthopolis had made those trades, and they they proceeded. To, uh, uh, they beat Texas, and they they went to Game Six against Kansas City. So there was, you know, that kind of altered the course for, of a rebuild. Would they not be um, with with what you just said uh, on on selling with Batista and Donaldson and Tulo not having the quite the years that they're usually having? Uh, obviously, they're probably not going to get the proper prospects or the amount of good quality prospects. 
let's say, for example, the Yankees got for, for Chapman and Miller. Is, is Justin Smoke in play here where he could probably bring back uh, a little bit more than those three guys can? Well, smoke uh, smoke might uh, might bring something back. Uh, I don't I don't think you get a lot for Batista. And the thing about Batista is you got a five and ten like like Delgado had. He doesn't have to go if he doesn't want to. Uh, I don't think uh, for the pitchers like Estrada and Happ, you're only going to get uh, uh, what are you going to get uh, ten to twelve starts. Uh, the, the acquiring team. Um the thing about uh Tulowitzki, I don't think anybody's going to trade for him. Uh I th- maybe Donaldson. I think Donaldson might be the be- best chip uh that they that uh the Blue Jays would have to play. Now whether they decide to go that way or somebody the problem is there isn't like yeah the Yankees need a third baseman but they got that Torres guy. He's going to be uh the kid that got hurt. He's supposed to be ready by I think June next year. Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, I can't. Boston needs a third baseman. There isn't really a big market for third baseman right at the moment. So. Not till 2018, and when uh, Machado and uh, Oriendo uh, exactly c- come on the market. Um, when are they going to? Uh, what are they going to do with uh, Devin Travis? Uh, here's a kid that has so much pro- uh, potential. Just at the crucial times, he gets hurt. Are they going to more or less? Are, are they going to give up on him, or are they going to bring in somebody that's going to more or less push him to a uh, to a to a secondary role? Well, he might be. Uh, I've only been around the team since '85. He might be the nicest kid I've ever met, and uh, I don't think I don't think it's uh, a case of the kid being pushed. I think it's a case of. Uh, He's just—he's got like that cloud hanging over his head, like the guy in the little Abner cartoon or something, uh, Joe Biffstick or whatever his name was. <laughs> but I mean, it, it, some of the injuries—he uh, he got a collarbone, he got hit in a collarbone in Cleveland, um, you know, and he came back a little quick from it, and then he got another one because he altered his throwing motion, and uh, you know, it's just—it's—it's. It's, star-crossed or whatever or, or maybe he's fragile like homer bush was like uh but i don't know he he when he's healthy he, he's a player i remember the night of the trade uh scouts compared him to bill madlock as a hitter and uh he, he has shown that in in short spurts you know madlock won a couple of batting titles but i don't i don't think there's anything they can do uh they can they aside from you know, uh, getting somebody else and hope as a backup, maybe to help if this guy if he goes down again. Now we have a we have a New York Yankee fan in front of us. Louis, a New York Yankee supporter. They've been hitting the ball all season, but their pitching has really suffered. How do they correct that? Because it looks like they have the hitting lineup to compete, but it looks like they're not going to get there because of their pitching. Well, they their bullpen's a mess uh, from what I've seen. I mean uh, the. Betances, that wasn't the way it was last year or most of this year. That game, he he just ball, ball, ball. I, I don't even think Toronto hit the ball out of the, the infield, did they? No, no they, they didn't. didn't. And, uh, you know, it just guys have spots like that, but he certainly had had been uh, had cleared it all. You know, when you're that big, that, what is he, six foot eight, you're, you're – you kind of have uh, it's like remember that guy uh, Mark Hendrickson, the NBA guy that the Blue Jays had. It was it took a while for his body to catch up. Randy Johnson, he took a while for him uh, with uh, the Expos. That's why they got rid of him. He couldn't. They gave up too early. Well, this guy seemed to have figured it out. 
and now it's not working. And I saw Chapman got got hit there the other day by uh, was that the Milwaukee's? I think. Uh, uh, you know, I mean, they're talking about they're going to put up a monument now for Fraser because uh, he got the game-winning hit to walk off against against Milwaukee. Like for the Yankees to think beating Milwaukee is a big deal it shows how how difficult this past month has been. Well, you th- th- this past month, I'm I'm still wondering that Tyler Clippert's still on the roster. Uh, yeah, Tyler Clippert, he he's be in the Jesse Jefferson loop. I think. Oh, it's Jesse just, Jefferson! It's, it's it's just unbelievable. <laughs> I, I watched game the the other night, and, and it's just like. Why are you putting him in in this situation? He walks three and then gives up the grand slam. I think he's more or less he's, he's blown three or four games in the last ten or fifteen well, that he's actually come in. Man, he got them out of a, j- a jam, Ollie. You know, you know, it's, it's just unbelievable. We're no longer loaded, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Jesse Jefferson. There's a name in the past for sure. Uh, Bob, uh, who else is uh, on the cusp of coming through here? Because Cleveland seems like they want to. S- want to take advantage of the division and bowl ahead, but they're not getting the wins. They win two, lose two. Is that going to happen all the way through? Well, I, I like Cleveland's pitching, and I, I think it still goes with, uh, you know, best pitching wins, whoever that may be. And uh, I think they're going to show, and I think I think Boston, uh, uh, talking to bad luck guys, like that Porcello guy, he's an awful luck. Tampa Bay beats him yesterday, one nothing. You know, like coming. I guess that's his penance for winning the Cy Young Award last year. I'm not sure, but uh, I, I think uh, I think it's very interesting in the Central. You know, with Minnesota being so close to Cleveland and uh, and Kansas City, uh, Kansas City, uh, they they're uh, if they're scratching their heads at one Blue Jay way, they're scratching their heads more in Kansas City. What are they doing with all those free agents? And uh, are they gonna they they want to sign. They want to sign Hosmer, but he's going to cost the most, so they're going to have to sign somebody else. I think they can sign one or two, whether it's Kane or Mustakas or who it is. But they got they got so many, they're going to move somebody. They got all three uh, UFAs. They're uh, they got uh, they got about seven free. Agents. I know, but uh, Mustakas, Kane, and uh, Hosmer are all UFAs this year. They're all free agents. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. They got to look at moving some of those, and they're not a they're not exactly a big market. I have to ask you because Bob. Do you and Butch Carter was in, and he thinks we're a, a, a big market team here. Do you think Toronto is a big market team? Certainly, it's a big market team. I remember, I remember when Labatt owned it. They tried to say they were small market or small revenue. I mean, they might have been, they might have been small revenue because it wasn't run very, very well. But I mean, they led the American League in, in, in attendance last year, so they have to be. They got one of the biggest corporations in the world running, owning the team. It has to be a big market team, I would think. How, like, if you, I mean, you see these studies, and the four biggest markets in in uh, in the, the hemisphere, it goes New York, L.A., Mexico City, and Toronto. And Mexico City doesn't have a team, so that makes us third. So I think, and the other guys are splitting. The other New York and Chicago, they're splitting, splitting the. Uh, the audience, you know, there's Cubs fans, there's White Sox fans, there's Yankees fans, there's Mets Sox. Not only the the, the, the Blue Jays have the city, they have the whole country. So I mean, I think I think for sure this is big market. That's why it was so disappointing when they made the 58 million over budget in September, August, September, and October in 2015. They went and they went and spent 1.1 increase uh, last year. They just gave it all back to the shareholders. Bob, we got to go. It's almost right. 10 o'clock. Thanks very much for this. Sure. Anytime. Okay.
That was Bob Elliott, Hall of Fame baseball writer. Louis, uh, thanks very much for coming in. It was pretty uh, pretty interesting what they were, he was saying about the Yankees. Yeah. Well, they're in black and white. It's you know. But who they're, they're, be... they're built on a six inning team because they usually have Adam Warren coming in seven. They got Batances coming in eight, and they got Chapman. And I've seen Batances. You watch the games that he pitched against Toronto last weekend. It's, it's not the same guy. Even Chapman the, the week before. What? You know, he, I think he walks two guys in in the bottom of the ninth. And Louis, got you got to run. Okay. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.